Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today is one of uh, the happiest days is when we get to do our live show live from the studio in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, today's show, we will be joined by Carr Ingham, who is the CEO for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. But first, before we bring on Carr, I want to talk to you quickly about uh, getting involved with advocacy in oil and gas one of the fastest growing advocacy groups in Texas is called Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. It's a group of like-minded individuals that support oil and gas, understand that they want to grow their business in oil and gas. And these could be people, whether you're a realtor, maybe you're a, a dentist, we get them all uh, and gather them together because they do understand how important oil and gas is to our great state of Texas. And if we should lose it for some reason or it's not doing well, we have big, big problems here in Texas. So um, one of the mixers that the advocacy group Texas Energy Advocates Coalition will be doing is in Houston. It's actually scheduled for February 20th at the beautiful Fogo de Chao on Westheimer. Uh, it'll start 6 and at 8. There's always a lot of networking opportunities. I see a lot of business cards being passed out and a lot of business deals are happening. So if this interests you, it's open to the public. I encourage you to go to shellmag.com or you can go to txenergyadvocates.org and get your tickets now. There's also opportunities to sponsor and speak at these mixers. Uh, they'll have five throughout the year. The first one will kick off in Houston, like I said, on uh, February the 20th at Fogo de Chao. These events, these uh, mixers are always sold out, so I do encourage you to uh, go online and grab your tickets right now before they're sold out. And uh, and also, um, you know, we have been around uh, Shell Magazine for seven years, uh, and we really try to focus on um, increasing uh, energy information and education. Let's let's really start talking about uh, how high is your IQ when it comes down to oil and gas? What's your knowledge? Um, and we should all be wanting to learn more about it since uh, every single one of us is affected uh, by energy. It could be you work in the energy industry, maybe a family member works in the energy industry. Maybe you're concerned about the climate. Maybe you're concerned about uh, the financial positioning of Texas. Uh, these are all pretty important uh, things to be uh, thinking about and talking, um, and also just having a, some general knowledge of, of a topic and a commodity that affects us all in such big ways. Um, Shell Magazine has been producing a publication for seven years. It's free to the public. Um, all you have to do is go to Shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's Shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and sign up for your free digital issue. They also keep you informed of some of the networking events that are happening throughout the state of Texas. There's a lot of opportunity for you to jump on this show here as well as have uh, your information displayed in the publication as well. Um, so I encourage you to go to shellmag.com and learn more and sign up for the free digital issue. 
Speaking of uh, the, the latest issue of Shell Magazine, our next cover will be Brad Barron, who is the CEO of New Star. Uh, we are scheduled to release it probably in about a week, so you definitely want to have your free digital issue. Go to shellmag.com and uh, sign up for your free digital issue. But now um, I'd like to tell you about the phone number to call in if you want to speak to Carr. I'm getting ready to have him join in with us. That phone number is 866 866- 308-8867 or you can call the local number the local number excuse me at 210-308-8867 now it's time for me to bring on our guest car ingham president ceo of texas alliance of energy producers car welcome to today's show well, thank you. My pleasure to be here, as always. Now, uh, I, I, I know your title has changed a little bit at the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, so I want to make sure that I got it right. What specific position are you doing with the Texas Alliance? And is, is tell us a little a bit more. Question? Yeah, there you go. Well, I, uh, as you know, I've been the petroleum economist, and that's what I am by profession as an economist. Smart love guy. That. I've that's right. I've always loved that don't will always continue to do that um and over the last uh, couple of years my role has grown within the alliance and uh, uh so you know when I, you're growing it, you're doing something right car <laughs> i suppose that's true <laughs> Or they couldn't find any other chump to do it. I no, think. no, no. Honestly, <laughs> you guys have really been leveling, leveling up. You know your your presence and uh, really doing some great things with some of your mixers and things like that. But uh, so you are now moving I into am now a- our chief financial officer, and technically my title is executive vice president. But I'm uh, I'm uh, at least for the moment at the top of the food chain in terms of the uh, uh, alliance staffing and. Um, and uh, running the show, so what a great honor that is. And Good for you. And, hey, and great job for the Alliance because, you know, um, I want you to tell us briefly about the Alliance because, you know, you join us once a month to try to help um, elevate uh, individuals that are listening to talk radio, uh, their IQ level, if you will, pertaining to oil and gas. And, it, you know, like I said earlier, it's such an important topic for us all, and it's really hard to find good information. It's really hard to find accurate information on this topic, but you guys are one of the associations that's there for all, and uh, your partnership with us has really helped us grow this conversation uh, amongst the masses. So what is the Alliance doing? Tell us some of your signature things that you guys get accomplished throughout the year. Well, the the alliance, as as you know, is a pretty good-sized oil and gas upstream exploration production trade association. And so um, our focus is primarily independent oil and gas producers. Um, And we represent a lot of smaller independent oil and gas producers, but they're just great, sophisticated operators. And you add all their production up, and it's pretty significant. And so we sort of make it our charge to stand in the gap for those guys, uh, to stand in the gap for those companies who don't have in-house um, uh, lobbyists, uh, governmental relations efforts. That's who we are is their government relations department and other things uh, as well. So we spend a lot of time doing that, and that's primarily our focus is advocacy at the state and federal level on the legislative and regulatory side for oil and, the oil and gas industry in general, and we spend a lot of time working with other oil and gas trade associations in Texas who all have a little bit of a different mix and niche in terms of who their membership is and what they represent. And so it's really a good partnership because virtually all the time we're lined up um, on these issues. 
And so uh, one of the things we spent a lot of time focusing on last year, as you know, was just the water issue, water issues in terms of the, the oil and gas industry's contact with water, right. uh, not just in terms of the use of water for oil and gas operations, but then produced water, the water that just comes out of the ground when you uh, produce crude oil and natural gas. The interesting thing that we've been moving closely towards and we've been watching and pushing for and trying to enable at the state legislative level and regulatory level is the marriage of those two things, which is to say using produced water rather than fresh water for upstream oil and gas operations. The industry is moving quickly in that direction, and that's one thing we spent a lot of time working on in 2019. If 2019 was the year of water for the alliance, I think 2020 uh, may be the year of climate change and things associated with that while we wrestle and struggle with how to uh, how to address that issue, how to deal with this onslaught daily, hourly, by minute by minute almost onslaught of information, most of which is not correct um, right. uh, with regard to climate change. It just squarely points um, uh, a finger of blame at the oil and gas industry. But really what that means is it points a finger of blame at everybody who consumes uh, uh, crude oil and natural gas, petroleum-related energy products. Um, And it's an assault on the abundance and affordability of those things. And so you know it as well as I do, this is the central issue, I think, facing us. But it's also a, a year in which we will be preparing for the 2021 legislative session. Thank goodness our legislature only meets every couple of years. Right. And so this is an interim year, and we'll be spending our time working with our membership um, and with our leadership on the board um, and among our staff and other uh, oil and gas associations to figure out what uh, we're going to be facing in the 2021 legislative session. And, you know, um some things that come to mind for me is I think we could do an entire show car on truly climate change. We could. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of it has to do with um, I'm not a, 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 a scientist. I don't claim to be. But I do know that what you said earlier is profound. I use uh, fossil fuels. We all do. And there's many parts of the country still to today that do not have access to basic uh, necessities such as clean drinking water because they lack just basic energy needs. So when we have these discussions about, you know, we see elected officials saying, hey, uh, day one of I'm elected, I'm I'm cutting off the spigot, I'm outlawing fracking, I'm banning it. And um, we have, you know, young uh, teenagers going and speaking uh, with really no scientific data behind what they're saying, but because they're uh, the future, we should listen to them. And the reality is, is, you know, without... Uh, we need resources no matter what. Uh, maybe wind, solar, renewables, uh, algae, you know, whatever you want to say are needed. I know that we're scheduled for an increase that we're going to need energy to sustain the planet, and yet we're talking about disconnecting from it. Um, it seems like to me this is a very, very large and complicated topic, and I'm not willing to just lump it into the oil and gas industry as the ones ultimately responsible for uh, the climate changing. When we get back from break, um, I do want to get into this topic just a little bit more with you. I don't want to have a whole show on it. If we decide to have a whole show on it, then great. And maybe we bring in some sure. scientists as well to talk about this. But right now, it's just being laid at the feet of big oil and gas. 
And uh, I, I do believe that we really need to have a mindful discussion, uh, a meaningful discussion, if you will, on the entire topic and what are the global implications because it isn't just one industry and it isn't just one problem. It's a global situation we're dealing with now. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. what artificial intelligence can do for your operation, it's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading-edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies, helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Carr Ingham, who is a petroleum economist and also the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. This is our live show in which we encourage our listeners to go pick up the phone, get involved with today's programming, and let's talk about oil and gas because, you know, it affects us all. That phone number is 866-308-8867. Again, that's 866-308-8867. 8867. Carr, before the break, um, I kind of got on a little platform about the environment and climate change and how everything is just kind of being laid at the, uh, uh, you know, at the feet of oil and gas and no one else is responsible for anything. It's just oil and gas. And I want to switch gears because, you know, we've got some situations going on. Uh, California is a great example of what happens when you get really regulated in oil and gas. Uh, Colorado is not far behind. Um, it seems like these activists that uh, have been, you know, out there in Colorado for quite some time trying to pass city ordinances that would basically either ban or really obstruct how uh, they're pulling resources out of there. Um, they are still continuing uh, to try to get legislation passed uh, and filing um, for six applications now trying to uh, kill the energy industry out there through various towns and, and communities. And I wanted to ask, you know, a, a question on, you know, how do you feel the energy industry is handling, uh, you know, Texas, we're fortunate our legislators, you know, out prohibited this uh, without them grappling with the real situations yeah. for the state of Texas. But in Colorado, it seems to be a very different. They're, they're very split. Tell me some common sense, and then after that, we're going to take a call from John in San Antonio. Well, the companies have a tough time of it up there. And, of course, a lot of these companies are companies that operate in other places as well, like Texas. Um, and so I'm, some, I'm sure there are some that are uh, more heavily focused in terms of their operations and just within the state of Colorado. And it's not just them, of course, but they are a unique set of circumstances. I think they're responding reasonably well and about as well as they can. Um, when you have a state whose population and therefore its uh, legislative bodies are are generally split on this issue, 
it's just a tough thing for the companies to have to deal with. But, you know, there's it's not like there's no recognition up there, at least on the part of some, and on the part of some cities and counties, of the benefits that oil and gas brings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, just the creation of jobs, just the economic benefit and all of that um, is it, it's a it's a great thing to talk about, but it's not the only thing to talk about. The other thing to talk about is just the amount of energy that that brings to the marketplace on behalf of even those who are complaining about it. Right. And what they have not done is experience the consequences as policies that they uh, that they profess to want to put into place. I agree with and you. And so I, I think the companies up there have done a reasonably good job of this. They have to be, you know, very careful about. Uh, about, um, uh, you know, the first the first inclination is to think that oil and gas companies are big, greedy, dirty, um, and you know I know that's wrong. You know that's wrong. Uh, other yeah, people they know provide that's wrong, but, millions uh, of jobs for the community. A lot of people. Well, they certainly oil and gas. do. They're and very well educated very... individuals. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Let's let's jump to the phone. Our phone lines are, are, are filling up here. Uh, John, San Antonio, welcome to In the Old Patch Radio Show. What's your question for Carr? Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, the U.S. oil and natural gas output in major shale formations is expected to rise slightly. However, in February, according to the EIA, is expecting record highs. I'm hearing producers will be pulling back on new drilling. Do you agree with this? Well, I do agree with this only because that's what we've been witnessing for the better part of a year now, uh, and that's largely price-driven. Uh, crude oil is lower at year-end 2019 than uh, – actually, it averaged lower in 2019 than it was in 2018. It went down pretty sharply and temporarily in the fourth quarter of 2018, so it actually finished the year a little bit higher. But generally speaking, crude oil pricing was worse in 2019 than it was in 2018, it was fairly drastically worse in terms of natural gas pricing, right. uh, and particularly natural gas pricing in the Permian. And so just prices alone would suggest, unless there's some recovery, and a fairly decent, significant recovery in crude oil and natural gas pricing, that activity levels will continue to slide. Uh, and prices, of course, are reflective of general market conditions out there. And so what's at the feet of all of this? And it really is almost just this simple. The market, both for crude oil and natural gas, is just well supplied. I think that's what we can say. Um, when the market senses that the market that it's not well supplied, and this was the case, for example, in the early part of the decade of the 2000s, really leading up to the recession of 2008 and 2009, when the market sensed that it was not well supplied, it raised prices, spurred all of this activity, really about what we're what we've witnessed these miraculous transformational events that we've witnessed in uh, the last 10 or 15 years. And so right now, this has been accomplished, at least for the time being. And so we've got plenty of supply uh, led by the U.S., which continues to raise crude oil production uh, and natural gas production. And so the markets are really telling producers they don't need a whole lot more of this stuff. Prices are reflective of this, and I think uh, I think your, uh, I think your expectation uh, is correct. Uh, unless that changes, I think we'll continue to see uh, some pullback in activity. Okay, so um, before we go to break, though, we're getting ready to go to break, then I want to grab another caller. Uh, I'm hearing in the field that 
if you can just make it through this year, you know, make it through 2020, 2021 looks a whole lot better. Um, and so I want to get your opinion on that uh, when we return from break, because I'm not really sure we've gotten uh, the abundance that we're expected that should be gone by 2021. But uh, if you want to call in and speak to Carr, call 866-308-8867. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our uh, our guest today is Carr Ingham, who is with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And Carr, before the break, we had a caller talking about um, what uh, did you think was uh, what was your best case of the resource, or actually the information is coming out from uh, different energy groups about what will oil be doing in 2020. Uh, and I kind of, we, you know, we get to interview a lot of great guests that are experts, and, and I'm hearing a lot of talk pertaining to 2020 is still going to be a hard year, but if you can make it from 2020 to 2021, we're going to be in a lot better position. What are your thoughts on that? Is that can you even make a guesstimation that far in the future about <laughs> oil and gas? And, of course, you are, you are the expert in this as a petroleum economist, so it's important to get your opinion. When does oh, this yeah, nightmare end? <laughs> it's, it's still dangerous, you know. Uh, even even those of us who watch this pay attention to it all day, every day. It's still, in many respects, just folly to try to predict what crude oil prices are going to be in the future. I have a good friend. I wish I had thought of this myself, but I have a good friend who likes to say, you know, there are two kinds of people in this world. Those who know what crude oil prices are going to Wait, those who don't know what crude oil prices are going to be in the future. And, oh, wait, there is only one kind of person in this world, those who don't know what crude oil prices are going to be in the future. That's right. That sounds like all and of so us. That's true. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, just sort of looking at it from the standpoint of um, the way I suppose I would look at it, we've spent a year uh, with recount decline, with permit decline, which mm-hmm. is to say the number of permits issued to drill oil and gas wells in Texas and elsewhere, uh, a decline in the number of wells completed, and now that's starting to find its way over into the employment sector. And so really, by most measures, um, the things that we do that signify people are out there looking and drilling for oil and gas and intending to bring to the surface have been in decline for the better part of the year. At the same time, crude oil production itself and natural gas production itself has continued to go up but the rate of that increase has begun to slow 
And so I think we can expect that to continue to be the case in at least early 2020. Um, in other words, the, the, the hope always is, the market hope always is, that if prices are sluggish enough to push the rig count down and all of these other things, that at least at some point we get a response on the part of production that means it's actually going down, which means it's properly responding to lower prices. And these uh, prices going down, uh, pardon me, production itself actually going down at some point is, you know, as they say, the recipe for uh, price recovery. And so a lot of this depends on what our economy does. A lot of this depends on what the global economy does. Uh, the fact of the matter is that between China and India, those two companies really uh, account for the lion's share of demand growth, not demand itself, but demand growth moving forward. And so, again, a lot of this has to has to do with uh, what happens in parts of the world that are not the United States. Um, and so, uh, but I think there may be something to this simply because um, I wouldn't say we're in for a shortage, but we may be in for something more of a relative uh, shortage now um, as the rate of production growth continues to fall. Uh, and we may actually end up with some, you know, measure of actual uh, production decline for crude oil and natural gas. Um, and so... Does that uh, have anything to do with also Iran that, um, you know, the sanctions that are coming into to place and having some of that oil removed off of the market as well. well it, it does, but let's not forget. I mean, there there are things out there that are occurring that could kind of be undone that would cause damage to prices, which is to say, push okay. them lower. Um, the effect of sanctions, of course, is to keep Iranian crude off oil off the marketplace, right. uh, which would tend to be price supportive. Uh, and the one thing that we can't lose sight of uh, is that OPEC and OPEC Plus mm -hmm. uh, continue to have a considerable number of barrels, daily barrels, removed from the marketplace. Right. And this is continuing to provide upside support as well. Excellent. Carl, when we get back from break, I want to bring Joe, uh, a fan of the show. He's out in Houston, Texas, in the woodlands, on to ask a question. He's been waiting. Joe, I know you're there. We'll get right back to you. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Carr Ingham with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And, Carr, we do have Joe from the Woodlands. He's been hanging on the line for a little bit. Joe, I appreciate your appreciation. Uh, what is your question for Carr? Well, hey, Kim and Carr. I hope you all are enjoying this beautiful day with the cleanest air on the planet. <laughs> we are. We are. 
We exactly. Are. Well, my question is, uh, well, with this being an election year, we hear a lot, especially from the left-wingers, about government subsidies to the oil and gas industry or sometimes the lack thereof. Uh, I know it depends on the definition of the word subsidy, but many in the leftist news media will even consider a tax loss as a subsidy. Now, I guess to clear things up, just how should we answer these critics when they mouth off about subsidies and um, uh, things like that? Well, you know, this is just, uh, you know, the convolution of uh, a word and a term that most of us knew what that meant for a long period of time. Uh, To me, a subsidy means whether it's oil and gas or whether it's something else. Um, uh, the actual writing of a check, the granting of funds, the, uh, um, uh, you know, a, a, a positive transfer of money from one source to another to reduce their cost or whatever the case may be. Um, uh, is it a subsidy? Um, uh, do you have, for example, a subsidy at your household level because government does not tax 100% of your income? By this ridiculous definition, that's exactly what you would have. Um any any amount of uh, your income that the government does not take would be referred to as a subsidy under that uh, exactly. uh, nonsensical uh, terminology. And so uh, oil and gas companies, as most other businesses are, uh, are allowed to expense uh, their actual expenses. You know, the cost of doing business gets to come off of their income and um, there are um, there there are some tax provisions that are unique to extractive industries in other words when you extract something from the earth and bring it to the marketplace because they have some unique characteristics um, but again it, it really just sort of lines up with the nature of that business and uh, they're certainly not the only ones and so um, uh, a, a, a lesser tax burden than you would otherwise have to endure is not subsidy by any stretch of the imagination. And um, the only, as you, you know, uh, alluded to, the only people you hear um, um, making a reference to that kind of terminology are people who are against the oil and gas business to start with and who want to make it appear as though the industry is getting something they should not be getting. And so, uh, again, the answer to that question is pretty simple. Ask that person if the government taxes 100% of their income, uh, and if they don't, you can accuse them of getting a subsidy as well. Well, Carr, uh, also, uh, how much does oil and gas get in subsidies from the government versus other alternative fuels or the fuels that everybody seems to love or or (laughs) resources, uh, solar, wind? Uh, Give us a breakdown of, you know, what what do we well, what is that, oil and that gas? Breakdown is pretty short. Oil and gas gets nothing. Zero and renewables <laughs> get uh, get uh, get subsidies, and uh, you know I I suppose I sort of get this at the political level. Um, you know, trying to kind of bring these uh, uh, industries uh, through their infant stages. I object to them always, mm-hmm. uh, and I think because doesn't uh, it signify? Doesn't it kind of signify, though, that if you need the government to prop up your industry, you're not quite making it on your own? Well, it, what it suggests is that the market is not ready for you yet. Yeah. Um, and maybe it gets ready for you and maybe it doesn't. But that's what it suggests is that the market is not ready for you yet. And so the government's going to step in and fill the gap. The problem is they're doing that with somebody's money. They're taking money from somebody to make this happen. 
Um, and so I've generally just suggested, listen, I'm happy to slug it out in the competitive marketplace. And oil, and this is oil and gas I'm talking about. Happy to slug it out in the competitive marketplace with wind and solar and other forms of energy. And if that's what you want to do, well, let's get to it and see who's left standing when the, uh, you know, at, at the end of that. That's what all market competition ought to be. And that's what ultimately serves consumers the best. Very good. Well, you know what? Let's just switch gears a little bit. Joe, thanks for calling in. Uh, President Trump, uh, we recently got approved uh, trade one phase or on to phase two. Uh, the markets did respond positively to it. Um, and of course, we saw that there was like $50 billion in there for oil and gas to be purchased from the Chinese. Um, but how do you think this is going to implement um, uh, the energy sector? And then also, you know, we have this, uh, um, gosh, I don't, this, this thing that is killing people over there. I'm not sure my... Oh, the coronavirus. The coronavirus, yeah. yes. Is that going to implement uh, or is that going to have an effect on, on what's happening over there in oil and gas uh, at all? Well, I suppose it's possible. There's some speculation out there that some of the negative pressure on oil and gas just in, or pardon me, crude oil prices in recent days has something to do with, uh, you know, fears that this will ultimately... Uh, be so um, so um, uh, catastrophic that it cuts into uh, general energy demand out there. Goodness, I hope it doesn't get to that, and energy has nothing to do with that. I just hope that our fellow citizens around the world are not subjected to this to the degree that that turns out to be the case. And my suspicion is that it probably won't. I don't know this for sure, of course, but I, I just know that when there have been some um, some concerns and some big frights in the past about um, about viruses, about bird flu, about things of this nature that haven't really materialized to that level. I hope that's the case here. On the trade stuff, I mean, we had a trade double header last week. Oh, yeah. Um, it was an we awesome wanna, week for President Trump. Awesome we week. Wanna, we want them both. Now, listen, you know as well as I do, um, as does David Blackman, because it's not that we've argued about this, but you know as well as I do that I have been critical of this administration on its trade policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I'm in the minority in many respects, uh, but I've been critical uh, uh, of, of, of trade policy because it has done things to restrict trade rather than foster trade. And I always believe the, the, um, the, the function of an economy is to bring goods and services to its consumers, not to employ people. Um, and these trade protections make prices higher to consumers and ultimately harm the broader economy. Uh, USMCA, this U.S.-Mexico-Canada well, agreement. Hang on, hang on, because you know what? I want you to get into that, but we got to take. I'm coming up on a hard break. When we return, if you want to call in, the phone number is 210-308-8867. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold free business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link. 
Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Carr Ingham with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, a wonderful association. Carr, before the break, we were on a pretty uh, uh, important topic. It was discussing uh, the trade uh, deal that was made, phase one. We're on to phase two. It definitely uh, impacts the energy industry. Uh, You were talking about, though, the second uh, part of, of uh, President Trump's week in which he had some real big wins for the energy industry and, uh, and for us as well, just as the United States. And you were talking about USMCA. Uh, carry on with your discussion on that, because that's that was an important win for, for our country, too. Oh, it's just huge. Uh, can't be overstated. Bigger than China, in fact. Too bad it didn't get any uh, real media attention. We're, we're stuck behind no, uh, impeachment. Uh, you know, well, I mean, you know, the, <laughs> this kind of came to a head right smack in the middle of impeachment and and uh, um, he was either going to sign that this week or next. But, I mean, that, that's all that's going to be blown out by other things that are going on in D.C. But we should not lose sight of the significance of these two things uh, that happened to USMCA in particular. This is just the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. That's what USMCA stands for, right. which just um, uh, allows for the unfettered movement of energy products across these North American uh, borders. Um, it's a replacement for NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. That was great for oil and gas because there are no restrictions on the movement of product across the border. And this is the same way. It ended up with some labor protections I'm not crazy about uh, just because, you know, I'm not sure we ought to be legislating through trade agreements what percentage of auto parts come from where. I mean, these things are, again, just restrictive. But when it comes to oil and gas, uh, all trade barriers are removed because of this, uh, the existence of this agreement. And um, if you are a natural gas producer in the state of Texas, or if you're, frankly, a citizen of the state of Texas, it benefits from the existence of the oil and gas business. Just the sheer volume of natural gas exports to Mexico is reason enough alone by itself to support the, uh, the passage of the USMCA. Uh, if you think natural gas prices are now, they would be positively abysmal without the movement of uh, gas into that Mexico market. Uh, And then, of course, the phase one China deal. uh, You know, we've been at it with China for a while, and our exports to them in terms of crude oil and liquefied natural gas, or LNG, were growing pretty steadily. Those numbers look great until we got into a tiff with them. Um, We put tariffs into place. They retaliated with either tariffs or they quit buying our stuff. And they quit buying crude oil, and they quit buying natural gas. And, uh, 
you can see it, ha- you know, happen. You can watch this stuff month by month up until 2017, 2018, and <laughs> went from wherever it was down to zero. And this begins to put some of that back. So as critical as I've been of the president, he's always stated that his goal was to get uh, to uh, really unfettered trade uh, uh, barriers between countries. And when things move in the right direction, I'm happy to praise him uh, as well. And, of course, I've got, I think, general, the economy, just consumers, business, industry, the oil and gas industry, have plenty to praise him for anyway, just on the reduction of onerous regulations that raise costs to businesses and consumers, on the rollback of um, taxes that are burdensome to households and consumers, uh, and so he's done a lot that gets my praise. Trade is really the only area where I've taken issue with him. But, but this much can be said about him. This was his worldview coming in. He said that's what he was going to do, and people voted for him. And it got him, probably actually got him elected in those Midwestern states. And well, so got to take the good with the bad. Exactly. And, you know, there's also the fact that we've had so many other presidents before, and they've never wanted to take these really tough topics on. And here comes President Trump. And and makes it a signature piece of his presidency, right. and, and he got it done, and I think that everybody in the end now is is uh, going to feel a lot better about it as soon as everything, you know, comes out in the wash. Uh, switching gears real quick, um, Texas uh, TIPRO, our friends, uh, Texas Energy Producers and Royalty Owners Association, along with uh, Texoga, they gave two reports recently. Texoga was discussing uh, how much uh, tax contributions the oil and gas uh, made for Texas, and then the, the TIPRO basically was discussing how many jobs have been produced, uh, 87,000 jobs directly in oil and gas companies. Both of these numbers are very impressive for the state of Texas, aren't they? Well, they are, and uh, along those lines, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and me, they're our petroleum economist. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I do a thing for the alliance, and I have for years, as you know, called the Texas Petro Index. Right. It's just a, an economic tracking device for the exploration and production part of the oil and gas business in Texas. And so I'm going to roll out the year-end Texas Petro Index in Houston on Tuesday of this coming week. Um, this is largely a media function, media luncheon, and so we'll be sending this out to uh, uh, everyone uh, as well. We had to wait until then because the employment data for December wasn't out until mm-hmm. just this um, past Friday. And so this will be a very timely release of information. We'll talk about the general condition of that business in Texas uh, these numbers are impressive. I mean, even though it was a year of decline, uh, crude oil, uh, pardon me, oil and natural gas, just the industry, that segment of the industry in Texas, never mind the midstream and downstream refining and processing and all of that, right. um, uh, continues to, the, it only employs about 2% or less of all employees directly in Texas. Indirectly, it's a number much bigger than that. But it makes up, you know, 8 or 10% of the overall economy and directly pays over 20% in taxes collected by the state. It's hard to suggest that the industry is not carrying its fair share of the burden, never mind the money that uh, goes to local um, municipalities and school districts. On the ad valorem tax side, the industry pays a whopper of a contribution to the tax scenario in Texas, in addition to the people that it employs, high-paying jobs, but again, the best thing that it does is provide consumers with what they truly want and need, no matter whether they really believe this or not. That is a long-term, abundant, affordable supply of energy 
which our guys have literally set up now for decades to come. That's right. what the industry has done that is exactly. most notable. So remember this when your utility uh, bills are affordable and you're, uh, you know, you're not paying, overpaying at the gas pump. Carr, um, I do want to thank you for being a guest uh, today. I love uh, our live shows where we really can embrace the community to come I'll, in and I'll call in. I'll be live in. in the studio next month, by the way. That's Sunday, right. February 16th, I believe. That's right. And I will be covering your event. I want to cover the, the I'll be in Houston, Wonderful. too. So I will see you there. I also want to thank the callers Great. who called in today and became a part of the show. You know, if you, you can't blame anybody if you don't know very much about oil and gas. We have a free show if you want to increase your IQ on oil and gas and be able to talk about oil and gas uh, in a way that makes sense and you have a good understanding of it, you should be listening to the show and you should be calling in. And I also want to thank our executive producer, Barry, who does such a great, great show in making uh, our show sound really great. Carr, until next month when you're live in studio, we'll talk to you then. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.